Hi, I'm Jen Gorecki, the CEO and co-founder of Coalition Snow. On any given day, you might find me on the back of a motorcycle in Africa, chipping away at the patriarchy, or playing in the mountains. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. I'm a high school teacher, and when I'm not in the classroom, you can find me on the mat, on the trail, or skiing 12 months a year around the world. What we've learned over the years is that despite how good that epic powder day or trail ride is, there's still so much more to talk about. So what we're doing is taking those conversations that we start on the chairlift and the trail, and we're delivering them to you in juicy bits every few weeks. As modern outdoor women, we do more than get dirty outside. We are complex, adventurous, and intellectual. And so are you. So subscribe today. Check out our campaign on Patreon and get ready to blush, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is brought to you by Coalition Snow, a women's outdoor company making equipment and apparel designed to deconstruct the status quo. FYI, friends, this podcast contains mature content and may not be appropriate for younger ears. You've been warned and enjoy the show. Welcome to Juicy Bits. You may have noticed a change in our sound, maybe a little bit of an upgrade, and um, we attribute that to the Reno Collective, this gorgeous recording space that we're in. And I also have to say my pregnant ass is feeling really comfortable in this chair as well. Your, your pregnant ass, this is going to be something that we talk about f- quite a bit. We will shift from your pregnant ass to you actually having a child in your hands and as your child grows up. This is all going to probably be spoken about, which um, this is what happens when two women are responsible for recording a podcast. Life happens. And so, and this is a podcast about our lives. So Jillian's 38 and she is having her first kid. Um, I'm 40 and I'm never going to have one. You all know this. We've talked about it before. And Jillian and I have spent some time talking about how have we both gotten to this point where we made such serious decisions in our lives and that these decisions have actually evolved and they're very thoughtful about choosing to have kids and choosing not to have kids. So Jillian, there are some women who definitely feel the pressure, like they have to get married, they have to have kids, and society tells them that that's where they'll find their worth and that's where, you know, that's how they're defined. But the thing is, is that Jillian chose to get married and she chose to have a kid, but she's never really defined herself in that way. So I'm curious, how'd you get to this point? Well, I'm going to back it up a little bit to kind of the first part of your question in terms of how women will feel that pressure. And I've mentioned this before in in other episodes, but I would identify as growing up in a very gender-specific household, Um, really loving family, but very defined roles. And I definitely grew up playing with dolls, thinking I would have lots of kids. I, I like thought about weddings, fantasized about that. And I think a lot of young girls do for obvious reasons. I think society sells that to them. I think it from a very young age, they're thought to that that is part of their worth. And I think what ends up happening is if you hit a spot where you can kind of see yourself outside of that, and it's a little bit of a, a shift. And it's also, I would say it takes a little bit, I don't know if courage is the right word, but the place to say, I don't care if I get married 
or I don't care if I have kids. And you find the things that actually bring you some great joy. And, you know, for me, that came down to I grew up in the East Coast. I grew up in New York. It came down to a bit of travel and adventure. And like my goal in college wasn't to find a husband. It was to be bilingual. And I studied abroad in Spain. And so I think it comes down to you putting some of your priorities and things that actually give you great joy as opposed to maybe a societal pressure. Like, And I've always kind of been like a serial monogamous. Like I've had long-term relationships. I really, I do, for me, I think it's really like sharing things with like a boyfriend. But it wasn't until I kind of understood that having a lot of that joy on one's own really kind of helps create a shift away from like a boyfriend to more of what I would call a partner or or a human in my life that I was like, I would love to be married to you. And it's funny because Brennan and I joke about this a lot. He's my um my partner, my husband. We are married where we're like, well, did we do it for the insurance? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> did you want to do it? And I was like, it's really funny because I did and I'm very happy. But there was that point where you hit where you're like, I don't care if I ever do, that it almost doesn't matter anymore, as opposed to the feeling that you that you kind of have to. So, you know, digressing a little, but I think those it comes down to sort of the goals and the priorities. And, you know, you can speak to this, Jen, and you've touched on it before in podcasts in terms of having that person say to you, like, your your life will have meaning or you'll have so much when you find that right person or you have the kids and families. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just getting off the, the ski cruise um, from being in Antarctica. What? What did you say? Or no, I just I just finished a degree and I'm like pursuing this. And I just think it's a matter of a bit of priority and also a bit of shifting the worth away from what the societal pressures teach us that we should value ourselves on, especially, and I'm going to bring up a little bit of a piece here from um, Betty Friedan and the Feminine Mystique, is if this is, society is kind of giving us that pressure, but it's not bringing us joy. And there could be women out there sitting, and maybe they started to turn me off already, right? Because they're like, are you kidding me? That was the greatest day of my life. It happens. People might turn us off. I know, yeah. I know. But maybe they're still listening because they heard, go, okay, wait, I'll let her finish. But you, that was the greatest day of your life to get married, the greatest day of your life when your children are born. And that's brought you great joy. That's wonderful. What isn't okay is if those things were sold to you, that they should bring you joy and they're not. And you're sitting there wondering, and that's kind of what Betty Friedan wrote about in The Feminine Mystique, this problem that has no name. Why are all these women with secure homes and husbands and children on antidepressants and with drinking problems and extramarital affairs because they're looking to find the sense of joy. And I can go back to the simplest example of, again, wanting to be bilingual, wanting to travel, wanting to um, experiencing things with groups of friends and not just with a partner. And I think that takes, again, a shift, just a shift away from society kind of shooting all over us. My sweet grandmother who lived till 97 when I wasn't married at by 28, she was so, so sad for me that I was going to die alone. <laughs> and how do you, you know, how do you convince like a 97 year old woman? You just have to like hold her hand and smile. Right. But, yeah. and I think well, that's no a one shift. really wants to die alone, but you also don't necessarily like have to be married and have kids to not die alone. Cause you can build really meaningful relationships in other ways with people. But yeah. You know, so I think you have to kind of ask yourself, what does it look like to get married and to have kids? What does it look like for you? What have the roles sold to young girls versus the the roles sold to young boys? You know, I don't think little boys are, are raised to think about marriage. And I think young girls are. And, you know, you know how much I love Chimananda. You turned me on to Chimananda. We love Chimananda Negosi Adishi, a Nigerian author and feminist, brilliant woman. I'd recommend reading any and all of her books over and over. 
but she does this great piece on that unequal power relationship it sets up when young girls are kind of taught for that princess and Disney mentality to look for that husband for the fulfillment and the joy and young boys aren't. And so they sort of come to the relationship already with unequal expectations and how that doesn't serve either of them. And it doesn't really serve healthy relationships. So I think if we are lucky to find someone that does help us feel that equity in a relationship and that sense of joy in a relationship and not that you can't live without the other person you kind of don't want to and you have your own life but you're making room for each other in it there's like those certain questions and dynamics that i think help move you away from the society is telling you should do this as opposed to like this is what i'm wanting to do does that make sense yeah it does and so why a kid you know, it's funny you should you should ask that. So why a kid? That's a really good question. As you said, I'm I'm 38 and I'm expecting my um, my first daughter in April to baby girl, and uh, growing up, you know, playing with dolls. I mean, I I remember a point where I and I got in trouble for this. I was sleeping on the floor of my room because I let all my baby dolls sleep in my bed, along with my stuffed animals because I thought they were real and I wanted to take better care of them. And I was like, I'll sleep on the floor, you know. And I just said that out loud. <laughs> That's just a little bit about me. So, um, yeah, kind of growing up with this, like, mothering, nurturing, you know, I'm going to be a mommy someday. And then kind of looking at it as, like, no way, no way, not for me. I want to be able to kind of go where I want, do where I want, pick up and go. And then the, you hit this point, you know, where being a married couple, being and then being a woman in her 30s of, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And I think there was a time Brennan and I were even sized up by different groups of friends and not so much like defriended, but people got that that was not maybe for us. And we brought this up in another episode. Maybe I wasn't having kids because I couldn't, you know, and you want to be mindful of that when you're talking to people about motherhood and, and just their, their private business. But it was sort of like, I'm not sure. I don't think that's for me. And I was perfectly okay with that. So then the why the kid this kind of piece, I don't want to say it shifted a little. It wasn't what I would identify as like, oh, this biological clock. I don't really, I mean, I'm sure that exists. I don't know if that was for me. But Brennan and I, you know, collectively, because it's kind of helpful when you and your partner are on the same page, were like, what would it look like if we had a family? Like, what would it look like if we shared what we had with another little being? And then I'm really, you know, thankful to say we were like, let's think about this. Let's see if we can make a kid. And we made a kid. So it's kind of, I'm not going to overanalyze those, kind of the conversation. What's interesting about that, though, is that it's like the bigger decision in your life almost was getting married to the right person. And then having the kid was, well, we want to share our life with another human. And it sounds like that was maybe less of a barrier or something for you to to sort of grapple with, like society's told me to do this because it was about you and Brennan wanting to share this experience with someone else and someone in your family, like with a child. Yeah. Well, and another thing that's interesting, I, I you just made me think of this is when you are kind of looking for that person, if you choose to get married or partner or cohabitate with someone is that was a conversation we had, you know, many, many years ago. Would you be happy? Just us. Yep. Great. Let's go live and let's be together. And we actually had that very, which felt very healthy for me is, well, if we can't have a kid, would you still be happy? Would you still love life? Yep. So we kind of saw it as like an addition to, and again, kind of going back to that sharing. And I don't, you know, want to 
pass judgment on anyone who's done anything differently because there's a lot of different ways to create family. But I think that's a really healthy conversation to have with self and then also with your partner of what that can do, because I could see that also creating pressure. One of the interesting things, too, is that, you know, some people choose to have kids because they think it's actually something that's going to save their marriage or bring them closer together. I've always found that fascinating because as an observer of other humans who have children, I've never seen anything that makes me think that they are easy or that they wouldn't test you to a point where you've never been tested that hard in like in any other way. And so I don't understand how people think that one of the most difficult things on this planet is something that would save a failing relationship because you're just adding significant stress and pressure and of course joy i get i get that that other people like have that feeling about children i don't we'll get to that in a moment but i've never seen it be easy and so you actually need the relationship to be super strong to be able to get through all of the inherent challenges that all children deliver to their parents you know and you touched on something i think i want to address quickly then i've got a question for you is I've had, you know, women in my life where they've been like, oh, I hit this point where I realized, you know, I'm not going to be my full self if I don't have a kid. Like that's kind of, and maybe that's the clock. Maybe that's what people, they feel that sense of like it's now or never. And I can, you know, understand that just be even based on my age and being quote unquote a- advanced maternal age, I think is what they call me when I go Another to the doctor. Another thing to not say to women. Uh, yes. <clears throat> and, um, but then, you know, this this really, you know, loving mother is like well now that I've had a kid I I realized I would have been okay I Mm. I, I, my full self is actually about me and I think that kind of goes back to again without passing judgment this sense of if there isn't a fullness that you're feeling I don't know that that's what kids are for I don't know that's fair to do to you or to a kid yeah you know Jen here's my question for you you know you've decided like kind of flips switching gears because we got a lot of listeners out there and some of them again might have Totally connected with a couple of things I said or had things to share. And we love to hear from our listeners, by the way. So please, please keep that in mind as we're kind of unpacking this, you know, casual yet kind of controversial topic. Jen, you've decided not to have kids. Why is that? Well, I've never wanted them. So I have no memories of being a child with all the dolls in the bed and wanting to take care of them more. Um, And I had dolls and I had Barbies and the whole thing, right? But I've never been nurturing I just am not. And and I don't like I love animals and I love human beings. And so it's, you know, I've never wanted to have kids and that feeling never changed. And I remember getting to a point of being like probably being about 35 or 36. And when you get to that age, you start to realize that you're no longer going to be making a decision Like You don't have that many more years to make a decision on whether or not you will be having kids. You're going to have them or most likely not. And they're, you know, obviously freezing eggs and other things. But I think back to it and and it is something that you think about. Do I want to have kids? And all through my 20s, I was like, hell no. Like, I love having coffee in the morning. I love being able to do whatever I want to do. I love being on my own schedule. Small babies terrify me. I feel like I'm going to like crush them. But like, I'm just like, I don't want, I don't like, I don't know about this smell that they supposedly have. Like, no, I got none of this. Right. And I do. I like human beings when they get older. I feel like I can deal much like when you're 
child is like 17 and you're about ready to like lose your mind, I will step in then and be able to help out. But prior to that, I can't do a lot. So I've just never actually been interested in having kids. And when you get to about 35, 36, 37, you, you do realize that, well, now it's time to start making active decisions. And I just clearly landed in, I don't want them. And when it was fascinating because when I started saying that out loud to people, the way that the conversations shifted from I don't know or people be like, oh, you have time to, to be like, no, I'm not having kids. And now I'll even now say, you know, people will say, well, oh, aren't you going to have kids? And I'll say no. And they'll say like, oh, no, there's still time. And I'll be like, no, yeah, I've got an IUD. I'm like waiting out this administration. When this thing comes out, I'm going to be close to 45. I'm not having kids. People are shocked to hear that, that you would be so dead set. And I am. And I'm really comfortable with that decision because I don't feel like I'm missing anything and I don't feel like I'm losing out. And once again, if I really wanted them, then I would have tried once. But I've been I've used birth control a lot. Obviously, um, <laughs> I don't have any kids. I never have. And um, yeah, I've just I've never wanted them. And it's the same thing, too, like the same thing about marriage never been on the bucket list out of all the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life that would terrify me to like walk down the aisle stand in front of all these people that I know friends family loved ones say vows and like share this personal moment in front of other people it's not me I don't need to do it I have no interest in it the party sounds fun I'm gonna be honest the party could be really fun, dancing, cake, booze, friends, family. Yes, I, I would say yes to all that. But I also feel like I can have that without the wedding. I can have parties. Just I've never seen myself as someone who needed to get married to be happy or to be secure. I've gone through life really creating my own life. And it's definitely been hard. Like there are there have been a million times where I have said to myself, if I had a second income right now, how different would my life be? And that's when you really start to realize how we have a system that's been set up to incentivize people getting married, the benefits that married couples have and how much you don't get when you're single or just even how much more difficult. It's difficult, you know, because it's every you don't have a backup and everything's on you. So I get it why people want that security, but I suppose I've traded that security in for some pretty interesting experiences. I'm not, Jillian's so cute. And she's like, I'm not, I believe in monogamy. Yeah, no. Okay, <laughs> let me just say this. Monogamy worked when we all lived in a village and died when we were like 28 years old. That's, I'm just saying, like, because, you know, you like maybe had 15 years to spend with someone. There were not a lot of choices. There was no Tinder. There was no fucking Tinder. So <clears throat> we just don't live in that kind of world anymore. As I go through this process of being, of telling people where I land on this and that I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have any interest in getting married and I'm not having kids, people definitely you can tell that some people feel really bad for you like they just look like ah ah mm. and then i'm sure some people judge me too but you don't think sometimes they're looking at you like oh they wish they had your life or do you think you make them uncomfortable and they're not sure what to say 
I think it might be both. I definitely make people uncomfortable and they don't know what to say around me. That happens quite a bit because they're just not, people just aren't used to women being so direct and Mm. so strong. It's something that it's okay for men to be that way. Mm -hmm. But when women just like tell it like it is, some people love it, of course. And those are the people who are my good friends and, you know, people that I choose to spend my, my time with. And other people, they really don't know what to do with it. I'm sure there are people who look at my life and they say like, oh, I wish... I wish that I had that life. But I don't it, that, I guess that's kind of a hard question for me because I don't look at other people that way, right? Like I don't look at other people and say, "Oh, I wish I had their life." I just look at my own life mm-hmm. and every day choose to wake up and make decisions that like give me the life that I want to live. I don't compare myself to other people. But perhaps perhaps people are like, "Oh man, look at like I could be I could be gallivanting off to that shithole Africa." If only I didn't have this kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's and let's put that on the list of shit that shouldn't come out of your mouth. Jen, I want to yeah. I want to speak up for you here where I I can't wait someday to just see you gallivant cuz I don't <laughs> know that that's really what you do. I um just just a little side note here. Um I feel like you work your ass off on very little sleep with tremendous ambition and you kill it. Like lady boss all the way. So when you're out there and you get the pleasure of being in Jen's company, maybe over a drink or you're hanging out, you're at a wedding with her and you've learned not to say, don't worry, you just haven't found the right one yet. Or your life, you know, when you when you find someone or you, you have that family, mm-hmm. um, let's acknowledge we have a. Like a woman here in our presence who's found herself, like what a concept, right? And we can, you know, kind of translate that to other um, strong women we meet in our lives. And that gallivanting um, is not the word to use. No, I don't gall. I mean, some I would like to gallivant more, I think, <laughs> I but I don't. I don't. Yeah, and it's just just one thing to sort of finish this off. I've always said that I don't know why we only celebrate women when they get married and have babies. There's no formal occasions where a woman accomplishes something and as a society we come out and recognize her and obviously like you know when someone gets a raise you might go out for drinks or somebody graduates from college we bring friends and family but but there's not women get recognized for having kids and for getting married and I would love like I don't know can there just be like a female founder day or like a boss lady day where Hallmark makes some really cheesy fucking cards and people just give me flowers and bottles of bourbon for boss lady day. Mm -hmm. We don't do that for women though. Like we don't, we don't recognize our professional accomplishments in the same way that we recognize our personal ones. And I feel that that is something that really holds us back from being able to move beyond this nuclear family paradigm that works for some people and doesn't work for other people. So if it doesn't work for everyone, then it's not something that we should all strive to achieve. But I think you make a really strong point in terms of the celebratory nature. You know, I'm getting ready to have some, you know, dear friends throw a celebration for me and the coming baby. And I'm happy. It makes me, it feels really good. So I just want to, one of our listeners, um, Cheryl, she's kind of written into us before. So I hope she's listening here on this episode. She is on the No Kids and she is a regular attendance at baby showers and buys the gifts and is super supportive. So she and her partner did a trip around the world. And so we threw her, a, I'm not having a baby 
shower. I love that. Yeah, she wore a baby Bjorn with a doll upside down where like the baby's head was coming out of one of the leg holes and we posted these pictures and people were like horrified. I love it. It was awesome. So I just want to put out there what, what Jen just said, what I'm kind of sharing. There are ways where you can celebrate the women in your life that are making, you know, congratulations, you didn't marry the wrong guy party. <laughs> you know, like, thank God you dumped that asshole before you divorced him. I mean, mm. those are things to really acknowledge because it does take a lot of courage and strength to stand up against that and also to stand up for the self and that self-love. And so don't worry, seed planted, boss lady, bourbon and yes. flower party. Yes. I do love flowers too. I love flowers. Um, okay. So here's the thing though. So we're talking like a lot about this personal stuff, um, but we True. cannot talk about kids without talking about overpopulation and the environment. And Michelle Parker, pro skier, was on our show a few episodes back, and she brought up that one of the things that we should be talking about in the ski industry is climate change, and paired with that is overpopulation. And when we think about the footprint that we as, I'm going to speak as Americans have, we know that um, the carbon footprint of an American child is something like 10 times that of a child in the developing world. And Oftentimes, I'm involved in conversations where people talk about overpopulation in Africa, and they try to police the bodies of African women there. But they aren't the ones who are using up the resources on this planet. It's really the people who have privilege who are the ones who are using a larger carbon footprint where them, you know, having children is actually going to negatively affect the environment more so than someone who's you know, living off the land with no electricity and no water and virtually no footprint at all. So Jillian, how are you going to mitigate this as a parent who, like, you're going to raise, raise a child in the face of severe climate change and you're bringing a child with a footprint into this world? Like, where are you at with that? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I, and I'm going to, you know, kind of do my best to really just speak to it in this moment right now because, you know, she's not here yet. And I can tell you that there are, you know, there's been boxes and boxes of things that have arrived at the house. And I've had this vision to be one of those hopefully mothers, parents who is not accumulating too much stuff or creating um, an unnecessary need for things that, again, the societal pressures, they don't end just because I'm like, well, I made a conscious choice to be a mother at this point in my life. This is how I'd like to maybe raise my daughter. All those pressures ex exist in a variety of ways, you know, the things and the stuff and the carries. And so I think there's part of that. One is in, in, in recognizing it. And I think the other piece is when I go back to our decision to for Brendan and I to kind of share what we have, our work, and, and we're hypocritical, right? We, we live in the system. My husband and I use fossil fuels. We, we own a home. We're, we're involved in, in private property, you know, and then the same on the other end, we can be really critical of that and how that, that denies access to people. And it's, you know, we, we want to work on different things that bring greater social justice to those that are denied. And yet in the same breath, I don't have to necessarily face that if I don't want to. So with us kind of pooling, our, our energies and our intellect like that, I kind of hope that part of my mitigation is going to be in the way that I that I raise a young person to navigate this world in the way that it took me many, 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 I would say decades to get to. So just in terms of consumption and choice and 
recognizing the human self. And it can go back to our episode where we focused is simply on, you know, and looking at compliments and how their self-worth is valued, not on material goods and on their efforts and on their intellect and what that kind of looks like. So there's a little bit of that's kind of might be too cosmic. I'm not sure. It's a hard question. This is very complicated because we know that overpopulation is definitely an issue. And I, as someone who navigates two different lives between the continent of Africa and the continent of North America, it is something that I'm really in tune with how we we never judge ourselves and and every every decision that we make we we justify right and so of course if you want to have a child you're going to justify all the reasons why you want to have a, a, a child and i don't really so much have a problem with the personal justification as much as i do that when those people then say that someone else shouldn't have a child right so so if, if if you're someone who's like, well, I want to have my own children, you can't then also be someone who says that a woman in Africa cannot have a child because of overpopulation. And for me, that's an issue of equity and an issue of, of social justice, that this is where women should have the right to make their own decisions over their bodies. And we spend so much time fighting for this, but then at the same time, we also deny women of their agency simply by using language around other women, and I'm air quoting right now, other women shouldn't have children, but it's okay if we do. So for me personally, I don't, it's so complex that I can't land on either side of yes, have kids, no, have kids. It's more the hypocrisy I find of when we think it's okay for Americans to have kids, but then, you know, those other people shouldn't. And that, um, particularly when the data tells us that they're not the ones who are destroying the, the planet, that's what's really challenging for me in those conversations. Well, no, and I think it's really interesting because a lot of the the focus and in my understanding, and I'm kind of wearing like the human geographer lens right now, is, you know, the more access to education a woman has, the less likely she is to have children mm-hmm. and the more likely she is to have less children. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of aligns with what we're speaking about in terms of, you know, access to education and understanding if I have one child, that footprint looks like this versus having two or three or four. But I've also been had access to birth control since I was 16. And that's not the same for women around the globe. And so is it a matter of education and access? And I think it goes back to your point of being able to have agency over your own body and what your choice is. Because there could be women that are having multiple children that that's not their choice because they haven't been given opportunity for education or to have a business or to do something other. Right. And so that, again, comes down to where when we look at the self – and our choices, it's not about imposing on others. It's kind of seeing things from multiple perspectives and also the complexity of it. Well, I don't know if you have read this yet, but it came out in Broadsheet today. Broadsheet is a daily e-blast that I subscribe to, and I absolutely love it. There's a new report that came out that currently like women are actually having more children in the U.S. than they have before. So we went from educated women with degrees going from having two kids up to three. We're going to have to do a lot more research on this, but that was interesting data to me that the more educated and this and, and obviously like things go in cycles, right? So it's not like, oh, if you're more educated, you're going to have more kids. But something has happened in the United States. We've seen this shift where as women were entering the workforce and as they were becoming more educated, they had less kids. And now we're seeing that the number of kids they're having is on the rise. 
I think that speaks to a lot of things that are going on in this this world. But that was, that's interesting. Um, so here's how we're going to end this out. Having kids, choosing to get married, it's a choice. And we have to really think about it on a conscious le- level. And anyone who really wants to have kids or wants to have a husband or a wife or a partner that is incredible and we should support them. But let's not project that on to everyone. Women are not the same. We want different things and differences are not deficits. Closing out here from the Reno Collective, please remember there are two lips to every lady. Yeah.